1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
2: Today's number is 82. That's the number of women that have come forward to say that Oscar-winning producer Harvey Weinstein sexually assaulted them The list was put together by actor Asia Argento, who is also apparently one of Weinstein's victims. And that list includes Oscar-winning female actors. It includes acclaimed female directors. And it goes all the way down to unnamed female production assistants. Apparently, when it came to working with Harvey Weinstein, no one was safe. Well, no one who didn't have a penis, anyway. That is terrifying. This is the stream police podcast the stream police podcast is brought to you by overdue review.com looking for a netflix recommendation that's worth two hours of your time or a forgotten album that's worth picking up on itunes overdue review.com is your destination for unbiased unpretentious thoughtful opinions on movies tv and music from every era overdue review.com better late Hello, my friend. Glad to have you back in my closet with me in Cincinnati, Ohio. I am Clint Davis, the movies and TV editor at overduereview.com. In just a little bit, we'll be hearing from our music editor, Andy Sedlak. I'm going to be leaning on Sedlak maybe a little bit more than usual today because if you can, I don't know if you can tell, but my voice is uh, not really up to snuff today. I've been, uh, my wife and I have both been on the couch battling some kind of late fall illness. Uh, and it's it's really it's knocked us both out. So I've been jacked. Uh, well, not jacked up. I've been high and slowed down on NyQuil uh, for a couple of days, and uh, I've been popping sucrats like crazy, and and gargling salt water, and doing all that stuff. But you know what? I'm not going to let it get between me and you talking in my closet. Okay, that's not that's not going to happen especially with everything that's happening in entertainment right now. So I'll come through for you. I'll tell you what I've been watching on all this, in all this time uh, sitting on my couch. But I may not be as long-winded today as I usually am. So uh, I, forgive me, please, if, uh, if that's the case. And therefore, because my throat's not feeling good, I'm, I'm going to forgo my stogie this time. So I'm not lighting up here in my closet. The closet's just going to smell a little more pedestrian today as I record the show. But one thing that will not change about today's show, I'm going to start it as I always do as we take a look through the annals of TV history at some of the best songs ever. And it's time for my pick for the greatest TV show theme song of all time, This Week. (laughs) And last time out, you know, since we were starting out October, I decided to pick a very scary, what I consider the scariest TV theme song ever with the Unsolved Mysteries theme. Now that we're pretty much through with Halloween, though, we can get on to like the grayer part of fall. The part of fall that's more about like the harvest and the weather turning into snow and slush and everything else. And, you know, the leaves really falling off the trees. And, we're you know, we're getting into the, the true gritty part of fall. So I've decided to choose a theme song that makes me think of autumn more than any other song I've maybe ever heard in TV. Do you recognize it? It's the theme from New Heart. Bob Newhart's second successful series vehicle. And who wrote this breezy theme song? None other than the legendary Henry Mancini. That's right, the immortal Henry Mancini, the same guy who wrote movie themes like Moon River, Days of Wine and Roses, the Pink Panther theme, the Peter Gunn theme... And this is a guy who won four Oscars and 20 two, zero, 20 Grammys in his career. He's the guy who gave us this great theme from Newhart. Doesn't this song just immediately take you to the New England countryside? If you don't know anything about Newhart because it's not one of those shows that really I feel like dominated Nick at Night back in the day. You kind of had to look a little bit harder for the reruns, I feel, but Newhart ran from 1982 to 1990 on CBS. It was a huge hugely successful show, and it's one of my favorites to catch like intermittently in reruns. I've never sat down and and watched Newhart all the way through. I'm not going to act like I've seen I probably haven't seen the majority of the episodes. I've I've only seen, you know, um maybe a dozen, couple couple dozen episodes of it, and it's always just fun to watch it. Whenever I do see it on, I'll I'll kind of sit down and watch it. And it's just it's just a, a fun, easy show to watch. And a good, like a smart sitcom, because first off, it has the one thing that so many great sitcoms need to succeed. It's got a versatile setting. Newhart was set in this struggling inn in Vermont that's owned by Bob Newhart's character, Dick Loudon, and his wife, Joanna. And the town uh, that's close to the inn is just full of oddballs who pop into the inn and, and pop out throughout the course of the episode. And the guests who are staying at the inn provide endless storylines. So it's really a great setting. You know, I mean, it's like the bar and cheers or or like the office even. You can just constantly have people kind of coming in and out, customers, those kind of things. And it's a TV writer's dream to be given a setting like that to set your show. So uh, Newhart, just a a really cool show if you get a chance to watch it. (laughs) The show ran for 184 episodes during its eight-season run, making it Bob Newhart's most successful series even over the classic Bob Newhart show in the 1970s. Was its theme song what made it such a fan favorite? It never hurts to have a great theme song. And so there you go, the theme from Newhart by Henry Mancini. That's my pick for the greatest TV show theme song of all time this week. I love that song, man, and it just gets in my head for days on end after I hear it, and every time I catch Newhart, I'm amazed at how good Julia Duffy is in this show as the inns uh, maid, Stephanie. Um, I think she came in in the second season of the show and just, I mean, immediately was like one of the best characters on the show, and Julia Duffy was so goddamn good in this role, just so funny, so natural, and actually, I was looking into Julia Duffy, and she was one of the finalists. Uh, to play Diane in Cheers, but ended up losing out that role, of course, to uh, Shelley Long. Uh, but I think it all worked out in the end uh, for the best because she just her, her work on Newhart was so good. She was nominated for a bunch of Emmys for it, and um, she's her she's fantastic in that cast. So uh, just a, a great kind of her and uh, the back and forth between she and Newhart, um, wonderful. And I mean, Bob Newhart. they really, there's really not another TV star like him. A guy who his his comedy was so. Like, so inoffensive, and so just, he was just like such an ordinary guy, just seemed like the most laid-back, like if he was any more laid-back, he'd be dead, basically, is how Bob Newhart seemed. Um, Not like a high-energy, in-your-face, over-the-top guy really known for like one kind of bit, yet, you know, he was given three network series over his career, and two of them were hugely successful And, I mean, just uh, what a fantastic career in television Bob Newhart had. Just a cool, cool guy. And I really can't think of someone else now that's kind of similar to him uh, in the world of TV. Because I feel like most comics who are given shows, I mean, they have some kind of shtick or something. Like, something about their act that's, like, that's the part that's in the show. But, no, I mean, Newhart was just, like, a guy that I think you could have just written a series, plunked him down into it, made him whatever character you wanted to, and... You know, just wa- kind of watched it unfold, and it would have been fun to watch because he's just kind of, kind of a comforting uh, and funny and cool presence on TV. Cool in like that really square way. That's that was that was Newhart's kind of brand of cool. And I was, as I was thinking about Newhart, and I was putting together that uh, segment for the the greatest TV show theme song this week, um, it, it got me thinking kind of about comfort shows and being sick. You know, thinking about like what shows make me like comfort me when i just want to kind of watch something that i've seen before and it's not like something that i got to pay you know really a lot of attention to or maybe i already know all the jokes but i just still enjoy watching it what is that show for you i mean that's really that's what sitcoms do so well i mean you don't go to dramas you know as much as you may love lost it's not really like a comforting show it's too way too intense and it's like you got to pay so much attention to it you know i don't go and really watch the sopranos to feel comforted um You know, I don't watch Oz to feel good about things when I'm feeling sick or down. So, um, but what I do is I go and I watch. My my two top picks, probably as far as comfort shows, Simpsons will always be number one for me because I've pretty much seen all the episodes at least for the first thirteen seasons. I know the episodes like back and forth. I've watched them all many times, have them all on DVD, and that's probably the show I go back to the most and that I know the best. Um, You know, I mean, I just always know the jokes and it 's just and it never stops making me laugh. Seinfeld would probably be my second pick for that because it 's so ubiquitous on reruns i mean it 's on TBS all the time. Just flip on TBS anytime you 'll pretty much get to watch Seinfeld it 's on hulu now i 've got every season on dVD have had them for years um, and i just I love going back and watching it because really no episodes i mean very few episodes of Seinfeld let you down or don 't make you laugh i mean they 're almost all classics they 're almost all great so just those are kind of comforting shows to me. The Simpsons. And Seinfeld. So I wondered for you like what your kind of go-to comfort show is. Um, you know, what's the one that you kind of flip on and it just it makes you feel good and, and you you know it well. You don't need to watch the episodes again. Um, you can almost act them out at this point. But, you know, what's that show for you? I don't care if it's the worst show ever, the best show ever. Who cares? Just uh, uh, drop me a line at theclintdavis at gmail.com, T-H-E, clintdavis at gmail.com. You can also tweet uh, at me at Mister Clint Davis. Uh, and let me know, what's your uh, what's your kind of like go-to comfort show when you need uh, a hot cup of TV, as I would say? Pardon the segue, but I want to go from comforting to revolting here on the Stream Police podcast. I opened the show with the number 82, talking about Harvey Weinstein's growing list of victims. It's amazing that nobody, like, in the public, Harvey Weinstein was such a... Just like when I thought of Harvey Weinstein before the last couple weeks, I really thought of like the guy in Hollywood, like the most powerful. Like he got behind really good films back when he was at Miramax. Um, And when I was growing up, when I was really you know turning into a movie buff, like a lot of you know white guys my age, I really fell in love with the movies of Quentin Tarantino, and I fell in love with Reservoir Dogs and and From Dusk Till Dawn, and Pulp Fiction, and, you know, Jackie Brown, and I loved all these these movies, and so I had all these movies on DVD, and I would watch them over and over again, and in the opening credits to all these movies, and Clerks, uh, Kevin Smith movies, loved those, loved Chasing Amy, um, you know, Dogma, all those great, like, Kevin Smith, Quentin Tarantino movies, I used to really like those a lot when I was, you know, first really getting into movies, and... So I had them all on DVD, and I'd watch them, and the one thing that was the common thread between all these movies, first off, the Miramax logo would be at the beginning of it, and then you'd see producer Harvey Weinstein. So his name, he was like the first producer I ever really knew. Um, I wasn't, like, I, I was really into getting to know directors, really into getting to know writers, actors, obviously, but I wasn't so into knowing producers, Until I really started to pay attention and I would notice Harvey Weinstein's name on everything. So I was like, oh, man, this is like this this guy. He he gets it, man. He he knows how to produce a great movie. Um, So really, he was one of the first producers that I ever paid any attention to or knew. And without question, one of the most powerful producers um, in the history of Hollywood, and certainly in modern Hollywood, going from Miramax to the Weinstein Company in more recent years and, and producing uh, Oscar-winning movies like Shakespeare in Love, which he famously— it, it's supposedly that he like bought out the Oscars for that movie because Shakespeare in Love winning the Oscar was a huge upset. had no business winning the Best Picture that year. I mean, it's a fine film, but it's not like at all— one of those that you'll remember forever. Um, and I believe it was up against saving private Ryan. Like I mean, it was it was like up against some insane competition that year. But anyway, so Shakespeare and Love wins and, and everyone was like, Wow, I mean that's how much power Weinstein's got, he's able to do that. But most of us, just movie fans, we didn't know how he was using that power to control Pretty much every woman that he came in contact with, I mean, from what it sounds like, you know, like I said, the, the number right now is up to 82, but there's no question there's got to be more women out there. Um, and it's it's like, it just seems like every woman that he came into contact with, he filed the same M.O. Oh, uh, yeah, let's have a meeting at my hotel room. They never wanted to tell him no because you know he's a huge powerful guy uh maybe he's just eccentric and weird and he likes to have meetings in his hotel room that's fine you know there are weirder things that could happen uh and then they get up there and he's wants to, wants them to watch him shower at, like and wants to, them to give him a massage and he can give them a, i mean just and then you know finally he wants to fuck them and if they do it then you know they're going to have a great career so just a rich, powerful, awful, sleazy guy. Like all the stereotypes of the producer who try, like, beds the young female actors uh, and 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 seduces them to try to give them more power in Hollywood. Uh, that's what was going on with uh, seducing is the wrong word there because it, it's really we're talking about like rape here. That's not seducing somebody. Um, that's attacking somebody. So um, it, it's just the whole thing is, has been so shocking. I, when I read that New York Times uh, article. A few weeks ago at the beginning of October when it first came out, I mean, I was my mind was blown. It was like right after we had done the October episode. So I couldn't mention it. And I was like, oh, my God, I mean, I'm going to have to talk about this next time because this is just huge. And who knew how big in mainstream culture this was going to get? I, I kind of thought entertainment people would be talking about it. But no. I mean, this has really bled into uh, people who don't even care about movies, didn't had never even heard of Harvey Weinstein now absolutely know his name and and not for uh not for the movies that he produced that's for sure so but apparently the Weinstein thing the clues were there if you just knew kind of where to look I mean there were jokes um not all over the place but there were some pretty prominent jokes out there at least in recent years that put a spotlight on exactly what we're reading about now um how about this when Seth MacFarlane uh made a joke when he was announcing the uh, Oscar nominees a few years ago, he made this joke. Congratulations, you five ladies no longer have to pretend to be attracted to Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> that was in 2013. I mean, four years before all this, this whole thing would make national news. Um, and people just laughed at it. Emma Stone standing next to him. She's just making kind of like an uncomfortable face. Who knows? Maybe she had been in this. Maybe she knew about this and she had heard about this. I don't know. Her reaction didn't really say it. And then... Um, 30 Rock, even before that, made two different jokes about Harvey Weinstein uh, and about these exact same kind of allegations. Here's one.
1: I'm not afraid of anyone in show business. I turned down intercourse with
0: Harvey Weinstein on no less than three occasions out of five.
2: And then a couple seasons later,
0: they made this joke. Look, I get it. I know how former lovers can have a hold over you long after they're gone. In some ways, I'm still pinned under a passed out Harvey Weinstein and it's Thanksgiving.
2: So, I mean, we're talking about a network television show, NBC, primetime Thursday night series, making jokes about this very powerful Hollywood guy raping uh, a woman. You know, very dark jokes, especially now that you think about it. And then this is the one that really kind of made my uh, made me kind of upset when I listened to it. Um, so Gwyneth Paltrow was on David Letterman's, you know, CBS late night show. In nineteen ninety eight, doing press for for Shakespeare and Love, the aforementioned movie. And she starts talking to Dave about Weinstein, and it gets very uncomfortable very fast with what we know now because um Paltrow's one of the actors who's come out and said that yeah, she was sexually assaulted by Harvey Weinstein. So when you listen to this and the way she tells it, she's like almost she's smiling, laughing, even it's very strange because he he clearly was a predator to her, but it's like she doesn't even realize it yet. Like she hasn't even processed it yet. Um, just just listen to listen to her and, and some of her comments here. This is from 1998 on uh, David Letterman's uh, late night show. Are you here of your own free will? Has <laughs> someone coerced you into being here? <laughs>
3: Do you count Harvey Weinstein as a coercer? Uh, uh,
2: now, Harvey, Harvey Weinstein is a as a uh, I I don't know whether he's in some kind of organized crime now. <laughs> but he used to be like some kind of junior mob kind of guy right he was, he was like in the
1: mob auxiliary
3: that's what they tell me yeah but, and now telling. he's
1: like a big powerful film guy
2: right
3: yes i do all my movies for harvey weinstein that's miramax mm-hmm. for all of you yeah and i'm lucky to do them there but he will coerce you to do it and, so, with and so
2: harvey said i tell you what go on and, and, and talk about your movie is that what harvey said yeah and, and in return what will harvey do for you
3: <laughs> nothing
2: <laughs> really well, what's wrong with that equation? <laughs> As the kids say, you do the math. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of fed up with Harvey's behavior. And, and <laughs> because I'm grateful to him in, in the sense that it, he brought you here tonight. Right. You know, thank God for Harvey. Uh, so, I mean, doesn't that just kind of make your skin crawl? Doesn't it make you feel bad for her? And, and Gwyneth Paltrow is not some, like, no-name actor just off a bus from Iowa at this time. I mean she's already a huge star. She'd already been in like seven and some other stuff and, and she her and she comes from a huge acting family. I mean obviously her her last name carries a lot of weight in Hollywood. And her uh mother was Blythe Danner and I mean she was a big time actor. It still is a big time actor. So I mean you're talking about a powerful woman here. And she was taken advantage of by Weinstein. So, I mean, it's just incredible. And it makes you wonder how many women we've never heard of whose careers never started because maybe they had uh, the strength to say – I'm not, and I'm not saying that the women who were attacked didn't have the strength to say no, but maybe the women who were able to get away were close enough to the door and said no and turned him down and never looked back. Maybe they never got careers. I, I mean, who knows? So it's just uh, – the whole thing, when you start thinking about it, is just full of, like, fridge horror, and it just is its scary stuff. So, I don't know. I guess some of the clues were there. I mean, the whisperings were there anyway, but it just took some time for people to finally come out, and I'm glad now that people finally are coming out. And don't listen to the crap about saying, like, well, what took so long for it to come out? Look, it's out now. So, that's great that these women are finally feeling like they are able to come out with these stories and— victims are really feeling like they're able to come out with these stories no matter who the perpetrator is, because there's chances are that they're not alone. If someone's done this once, they've probably done it, you know, multiple times. I mean, let's look back at Bill Cosby again. Cosby, there the rumors that he was sexually assaulting women were out there for like 20 years, apparently. And a woman even took him to court about 10 years before, like about 12 years ago from now, Uh, about 10 years before we even knew anything about it. Now, uh, Hannibal Burris, the stand-up comedian, is kind of credited with opening the floodgates on the more recent Cosby allegations because when he was on stage in Philadelphia in October 2014, he made this joke. He did this routine that he said he had been doing on stage for about six months, but this was in Philadelphia. Bill Cosby's like you know basically his hometown people worship him in philadelphia as they do in a lot of places and he he did this routine and someone happened to record it and put it online and It's even worse because Bill cosby has the fucking smuggest old black man public persona that i hate Just get some TV. pull your pants up black people
0: i was on tv in the 80s i can talk down to you because i had a successful sitcom no. Yeah, it was rape, women. Bill Cosby, so I'm
3: kind
1: of phrase you down a couple notches. I don't curse on stage, but yeah, you're a rapist,
2: so I'm take you saying lots of motherfuckers on Bill Cosby himself if you want a rapist.
1: I've done this bit on stage, and people don't believe. People think I'm making it up. I'm like Bill Cosby did a lot of rape allegations. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> call me Captain kick out <laughs> oh, no. That shit is upsetting. If you didn't know about it, trust me, you leave here, Google Bill Cosby, right? funny. This shit has more results than Hannibal Burris.
2: <laughs> so that's Hannibal Burris. not what you would call a huge Hollywood insider, not the biggest name stand-up comic at the time. Um, I mean, certainly not a, not like a small potatoes performer, but, and I mean, he, it's like, he knows about this stuff and he's talking about it and no one else was talking about it. So it's incredible kind of what happens, uh, when the floodgates open and then all of a sudden everything just like when it rains, it pours. I mean, the statement is so that, that old hackneyed phrase is so true. Um, so it's just amazing. If you look back to, and who knows next time, maybe you hear a joke about someone doing something inappropriate, uh, that's a real person maybe you'll pay attention. I don't know. So, I mean, Cosby's life has basically, um, his career has been completely tarnished. 51 women, by the way, are how many accused uh, Cosby of sexual assault as of this point that I could find. Um, Weinstein, 82, like I said. And meanwhile, Donald Trump, at least 19 women uh, claim that he sexually assaulted them and uh, he was elected president. So, Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing because Cosby's career completely went away. His legacy completely tarnished. Weinstein's career is over. He got kicked out of the Academy, which is a fucking hard thing to do. The Academy still has Roman Polanski uh, as a member. They still want Woody Allen to join it. They, uh, I mean, Bernardo Bertolucci, who admitted that he had an actor rape a woman on camera, is still a member of the Academy. So, I mean, the Academy doesn't kick people out. First stuff. Cosby might be in the academy. I'm I'm actually not sure about that. I have to look. But so, yeah, Weinstein's career is over. Cosby's over. Trump was elected president. So, you know, whatever. I guess that's what happens when it's a popularity uh, a contest. Some people can decide whether they care about something or 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 not. Uh, but, you know, you're I, I was just looking around and and because of the, the Weinstein stuff, a lot of old allegations about some very Powerful and admired people in Hollywood, including people I admire, have started to come out again. I mentioned Woody and Roman. I've talked about them many times. Roman Polanski, um, he raped a an underage girl years ago and has been evading coming to the United States ever since then. Has been has sought asylum, I believe, in is he in France? I can't remember where he's at. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's just exploited basically some technicalities in the law. Continues to make movies and. Uh, and his movies continue to be good. I mean, I'm not going to act like the movies aren't good, but this guy is a rapist. Uh, you know, Woody Allen had allegedly uh, uh, molested his own uh, – molested children, his own uh, uh, stepchildren, and, and and there have been many accusations about him. He married uh, – what is, what is she? His step – she was his stepdaughter, and then he married her? I, you know, the whole thing. Like, adopted stepdaughter? So it's just – a lot of bizarre stuff, but then there are uh, claims against Jared Leto. If you look up Jared Leto rape online, bunch of women who uh, related to his music career have said that he's very—he's uh, had forcible sex with them. Uh, even a couple of underage women said that Dave had sex with him uh, when he knew they were underage. Uh, when he was out on the road with his band, Thirty Seconds to Mars, uh, Louis C.K. has been accused of some very kind of troubling behavior, like. Uh, tr- cornering women in rooms and then masturbating in front of them and not letting them leave uh, until he's finished. Uh, that's a couple people have said that so if you look up Louis CK and look up what's going on with him even my favorite one of my favorite actors ever, Michael Fassbender uh, he got in trouble not for sexual assault but for domestic violence years ago a girlfriend uh, took him to court accused him of uh, domestic violence, and that's something that's really never talked about anymore. So, I mean, you're talking about beating women there. And then uh, Kevin Spacey, just before I recorded this episode, a uh, young man, male actor, said that when he was underage, Kevin Spacey came on to him, to which Spacey said that he didn't remember it, but he did say that he was sorry, and he, he, it sounded like in his statement that he's uh, had some bad behavior like this before. So, I don't know. It's just uh, just a lot of, just weird Um, In Hollywood, man. And there's just a lot of this kind of stuff kind of finally coming out now. And I think there's going to be a lot of sexual predators in Hollywood biting their nails every day, hoping that they are not the next one being accused um, and being, uh, you know, kind of put on blast on Twitter. So it's just it sucks that this is something that's been going on in that business for so long but it's great that some lights finally being shined on it and uh the news business is is not immune either i mean there've been some high some powerful people in uh news and in commentary in recent uh years as well that have uh, kind of become predators as well so uh, or at least their predatory actions have become known i should say so it's just it's shocking stuff uh And I don't really have some big take on it, but like I said, just maybe pay more attention to the jokes that you see kind of coming out of Hollywood, because Hollywood writers are clearly trying to, have been trying to tell us things for a while and trying to slip notions into our minds um, subliminally, and it's not until now that we realize, oh my God, that's what they were talking about, wow, so there you go. All right, I'm going to toss things over to Andy, uh, who is in his basement in beautiful Dayton, Ohio, and uh, we'll see what he's got spinning this week.
1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, yeah, what's up? Great to be with you. Let me start off by saying that Fats Domino was more than one of the old guys more than one of the old guys. I bet you didn't know that he was the first rock artist to sell over a million copies of a single or that he had 37 top 40 hits before 1963 or that as recently as 2005 his New Orleans home was destroyed by Hurricane Katrina. Lost almost all of his possessions. And had to be rescued by a helicopter. Fats Domino died October 24th at the age of 89. He lived a hell of a life. A hell of a life.
3: You made me cry when you said goodbye. Ain't that a shame?
0: My child
1: My name is Andy Sedlak. I'm the music editor for OverdueReview.com. Do me a favor and hop on over to the website. I've got a new review up of uh, 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 an album by Roy Orbison. came out in the late 70s. It is significant in a number of ways, not the least of which was that it was his last solo record to come out before he died. His last record to come out before he died, so go ahead and give that a look. And, hey, let me, let me give you guys a quick, uh, a quick thank you. You know, last time out, I sort of put my, uh, put my notes aside and just sort of talked about Tom Petty. I found out earlier in the day that he had died. So I was still very much uh, reacting to the news. And I got some really nice emails about that segment. And I appreciate you guys sort of taking that ride with me. We've got, uh, we've got the best goddamn audience out there, and I'm serious about that. Hey, you know who's having a moment Right now, having a moment, it's pink.
3: What about us? What about all the times you said you had the answer? What about us? What about all the broken, happy ever after?
1: That's called What About Us. Came out, uh, let's see, back in August. Up to number thirteen on the hot one hundred. You hear it everywhere. It's it's you know, it's kinda it's yeah, all right. It's protesty. You know, it's protesty, but it's not preachy. Uh, and I gotta be honest, you know, I, I turn it up whenever I hear it. What about
3: us? What about all the times you said you at the answer?
1: She's got a new song out that features M M. All this from a new record called Beautiful Trauma. Beautiful trauma. It's already the highest-selling album by a female artist since Beyonce came out with Lemonade. And it's already double platinum. I'm talking about Pink's record. It's already double platinum in Australia, uh, which is telling because the Australian market is one that the music industry covets. Uh, it's a great country for for music fans. And the Aussies are eating this up. Though, I'll, I'll come clean. You know, I'm not a Pink fan. Never cared for either her, like her snotty persona, or like the the self empowerment stuff. And I'm not saying I'm anti self empowerment. I'm just saying I didn't like the way she did it. Uh, get the party started. So what? Perfect. Raise your glass. In my opinion, all those songs sucked. But it's insane. It's insane how long she's been around. Can't Take Me Home. First record came out in 2000. In 2000? In the middle of that, that bubblegum pop explosion from 98 to 01. That's 17, almost 18 years ago, folks. And who would have predicted at that time that, that Pink would outlast some of those other groups? I mean, the Backstreet Boys are now grateful to get a guest spot on a Florida Georgia Line song. Christina Aguilera... Hasn't had a, a hit in a good decade. Britney's in Vegas, I think. But, but you know, what, what was the last single she released that, that, that turned the world upside down? I'm just saying, I'm just saying Pink made it. Somehow, some way. And, you know, I was thinking about this. Who makes it and who doesn't? Who goes the distance and who doesn't? And you know what I think it is? I think you've got to want it enough. Which may sound stupid, but, but let's break this down. So, even though some of Pink's material didn't work for me, she does strike me as an artist that wants it, perhaps more than other people want it.
3: One critic at one point called your music tough chick music. In a box of crayons, that's probably one color. Because some people think I'm a tough chick, some people think I'm the gooiest, most sensitive little delicate bird they've ever met in their life so it just depends on the day
1: wanting it isn't the secret to success plenty of people have found success uh, without being in love with the process but wanting it might be the secret to longevity could be the secret to longevity they asked keith richards once uh Why he's still playing music, it was probably the zillionth time he's been asked that question, but his answer was remarkably candid. He said it's the only thing he knows how to do, and it's the only thing that he wants to do. There's a lot to be said when the craft, and not fame or money or the the things that may come along with those bonuses, is one of the pillars of your life. It's admirable, and it must be extremely frustrating at times. Because as far as material things go, they only go so far. In Pink's case, she is a writer. I don't really get into the, her, her kind her, her Cirque du Soleil type of performances, but, but she is a performer doing things than, that are different. And, and after almost 20 years, I'm starting to realize that Pink is one of those artists who just wants it. And she's poised to uh, to cover some major ground with this new record. It hasn't been out that long. So here's a question, my friends. Does Pink make it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Again, it's been almost 20 years since her first album. It's got to be 25 for an artist to be eligible. The new record's gotten pretty good reviews, so she's kind of got critics in her corner. Do you ever think about that? who from that that 99 through 01 time period makes the hall of fame. And in my case that's roughly when I was in junior high. So let's look at the bands from my middle school days. Creed? No, not hall of fame worthy. And Sync? No. Backstreet, Brittany, Christina, Papa Roach, Smash Mouth, LFO, Three Doors Down, Maya, Ashanti, Kid Rock, Puff Daddy, Lubega, TLC, Savage Garden, Monica, Sugar Ray, Corn, Enrique, Goo Goo Dolls, S Club 7, Macy Gray, Mandy Moore. You hear any Hall of Famers in that bunch? Pink has as good a shot as anyone. Somebody has to represent the era. Somebody from my junior high days will be in the Hall of Fame. Pink. Could be the one. Tell you what, shoot me an email. Tell me who do you think uh, gets in from that time period. Again, we're talking about uh, 98, 99 through 01, 02. My email address is uh, Journal S-E-D-L-A-K, the word journal all squished together at gmail.com. Look, we don't talk about country music enough on this show. I'm a fan of country. Clint is a fan of country. Uh, And I want to acknowledge the, uh, the 25th anniversary of George Strait's I bet you didn't know that the one and only Colonel Tom Parker recommended George Strait for the starring role in the movie. He plays a uh, kind of like a disillusioned uh, country singer. The the character Strait plays uh, doesn't like uh, sort of arena rock production and country music. Uh, he's a little burnout, and and that's kind of how how Strait felt in real life. So there were there were some parallels there. The soundtrack album came out in 1992, became the biggest seller of his career. Pretty significant for a guy who's often referred to as the king of country. In all the
3: world, you'll never find a love as true as mine.
1: And the soundtrack album, you know, it's actually, it's pretty awesome. It's got a Glenn Frey song. Jim Lauderdale's song, it's got Across uh, My Heart on there. Didn't do well with the uptowners, though I'm not sure anyone suspected that it would. I went back to pick out a review at the time period. I found one by the Chicago Tribune that said that Pure Country was, quote, shamelessly cornball and as phony as the roadshow act that Straight's character has come to deplore. End quote. Not a big hit on the East Coast, but Middle America loved it. And listen to the hell out of that soundtrack. Lately, Strait has played lesser-known cuts from the soundtrack in concert. Pure Country starring George Strait. My God, Pure Country starring George Strait, 25 years old now.
0: Yeah, I can't blame you for keeping quiet. Kind of hard to get a word in edgewise those three. Yes, sir. People just talk too darn much for my taste. Yapping about this and that when he ought to be. Eating, working, or sleeping. I mean, what's anybody say that everybody doesn't already know anyway? Can you tell me that? No, sir, I can't. Well, that's too bad. Take for example this morning. Now we all know that Harley was slow on her ride. We know she was out late last night. I mean, that's no front page news. So why talk about it? I guess I see what you're saying. Y- you guess. Never guess. You gotta know. I mean, you gotta know what you're doing. Because if you guess, you're leaving yourself wide open to suggestion. And that, to my mind, is what's wrong with this whole country. I mean, it's going straight to hell. Everybody's open to suggestions. Why are you coming? you're just going to sit there.
1: All right. Here are five songs to add to our stream police playlist. As you know, we're building the most perfect playlist known to man. You can find the stream police playlist on Spotify. Just go ahead and search stream police. Here are five more that we'll be adding to said playlist. First. It's Must Have Got Lost by the Jay Giles Band.
3: Must have got lost. Must have got lost. Must have got lost. Somewhere down the line. Must have got lost. Must have got lost. Give away the day you're mine.
1: Second, I Forgive It All by Tom Petty and Mudcrutch. Crutch.
3: People make them and that ain't gonna change People are what people make them and that ain't gonna change There ain't nothing you can do Nothing you can rearrange But I forgive it all I forgive it all With her. I forgive it all
1: Then The Man by the Killers Do you know
3: I i Okay, I've
1: got uh, I'd Rather Go Blind by Etta James. Finally, it's just another love song by the Allman Brothers. right i'm gonna toss it back over to clint thanks so much always good hanging out with you
2: behave yourselves peace hey thank you very much andy always appreciated the man's turning 30 very soon you gotta send him some uh send him some birthday regards out there uh on twitter man is when you, when you hit thirty, is that kind of are you getting to the point where you're too old to maybe sit in the basement and talk about music? I don't know, man. Maybe in your twenties is too young to sit in your basement and talk about music. Actually, so maybe he's finally in the sweet spot. Either way, happy birthday, uh, Andy, and always good to hear from you, man. All right, I'm going to keep things uh, uh, as brief as I can here. It's never been my strong suit, but in the second half, just because, like I said, my my throat is is rapidly collapsing on me. I did want to mention. A couple of shows that were on my list to start for fall. I'm I'm really into both of them at this point. First off, The Deuce on HBO. Uh, I mentioned it uh, a, a couple in the last couple episodes, uh, and I'm going to give it a full review once the season's over. But I'm just if you're not watching The Deuce, and I haven't met I've only met one other person who's watching this show. The Deuce is really cool because it's got such a huge scope. I mean, t- you just don't see TV shows that have a scope like this, really. I mean, this is not just about a couple characters. This is kind of about an entire industry coming together. And what the show's about, if you haven't seen it, it's uh, it starts off as really being about these prostitutes, their pimps, and the police officers in New York in the 1970s who are trying to, um, at the same time, get them off the street but also use them. Uh, in padding their own pockets. This was just a really bad time in New York. Crime was very high. Police were like, at, I mean, the sleaziest they could possibly be. And it's just a just a bad, bad time in general for the Big Apple. It wasn't uh, I mean, Times Square was not a place where you'd want to take your family. Let's put it that way. Um, unlike you know it it is today. So the show's really about the catalyst of of kind of what made. Um, This business tick. What made it turn into the pornography industry? Because the porn business is kind of just starting out as this show is taking off. How did how did prostitution bleed into pornography? How did the mob control the pornography business? So there's a lot of elements here. Like, you know, like I said, the mafia gets involved in this show. You got the pimps, you got the prostitutes, you've got the uh, porn producers, actors, you've got the people who sell it, you've got uh, you know the directors, obviously, you have the police officers, you have journalists covering the whole thing, um, you've got construction guys on the take, union guys working in this as well. It's just a lot of institutional. A lack of institutional control, as they say in the NCAA, was happening at the time, and it kind of turned into uh, the pornography uh, industry. And so it's really just a cool show with a lot of real history built into it. Uh, And the way they play it, it, it's it's a period show. So you've got all these like fantastic outfits for the pimps and for the prostitutes, and it's just they really they did a great job on the costuming and the music. It's a little bit glossy looking for me like it does look a little bit fake like i wouldn't say it's the most gritty portrayal of the 19 you know of this this kind of thing like it doesn't look like an old exploitation movie it looks like a high budget uh, well costumed version of this um and the acting is very good james franco is not an actor that i'm usually huge on but he plays twin brothers and he's doing a really fine job except on in one of the brothers he's got this really exaggerated italian accent and it's so just like over the top, just cheesy sounding fake Italian accent. Like if you did an Italian accent right now, this is kind of what it would sound like. Uh, it's just way too on the nose as far as that goes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the Deuce is uh, definitely I think worth your time, worth watching. It, it's very interesting to see what where they're going to take these characters, where um, and, and how this business is blooming out of such a uh, just a seedy time in American culture and uh, and how sex is controlled, how these women are controlled, how it's really the whole thing is kind of like a metaphor uh, for workers getting rights, uh, for workers' rights. And, you know, you have these women who are plucked from these small towns. They, you want to come to the big city and be a model, and they come in, and of course they they end up being turned out on the street. They're owned and bought and sold by pimps to each other, traded like players in sports. Uh, and they have no control over the money that they make. They have to go out and do it. If they don't earn a certain amount, they're going to get beat. Um, and it's just a really vicious thing. And these women start getting smart about, well, if I appear in a movie, then I should start getting royalties. Because, well, if I you know do one scene... Um, it's not just one scene, it's watched a million times, so it's like really doing a million scenes. And it's cool to see the lights kind of turning on as these women start to think more about business and start thinking about who really owns their body. Who owns it? Does my pimp own it? Does the guy who owns the naked image of me own it? Or do I own all naked images of myself and all uh, things that I do? And it's cool to watch the awakenings kind of happening um, on this show So it's the It's a slow burn It comes from the guys who created The Wire So it's the same kind of deal It's going to be a long time coming I think Before we really see the full scope of this show But I've been impressed with it so far And I'm glad HBO renewed it uh, for a second season Because it, it's just kind of It's been thrilling to watch for me I've been excited to see where they're going to go each time
0: So what's it like Shay? Well I'm just starting Loretta can tell you She's going to sunlight more the year Really? sunlight. Making movies during the day. For the machines. Yeah. But you only get paid once. That was trick. No, every time some guy puts a coin in one of those okay. machines, someone's making money off what you did. You're not making another dime. But you do it, Darlene, right? Not regular. No. Larry asked him to make a movie with a man, but it was just for that man. Ah uh-huh. shit. So he could look at it later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you pay me extra. <laughs> okay, hold on. Did this man fuck you from behind? How you know that? Bernie said he saw it at fat movies. Nah, <laughs> no, that can't be. You know what? Bernie said. Let me to see about that right now.
2: So that's the Deuce, and that is on Sunday nights on HBO. Another show from my list that I've really finally gotten into uh, here in the last couple weeks is Mindhunter on Netflix. Told you I was very excited about this one because I'm a big David Fincher fan, and uh, and I loved his movie Zodiac is one of my. Uh, very favorites of, of crime cinema of the last 30 years. Um, and this show is, is is very much like it looks like Zodiac. It's set in the 70s. It's about the earliest criminal profilers in the FBI, like the guys who invented criminal profiling. I mean, the term serial killer doesn't even exist in this show uh, it, it, because it, it, no one had come up with that term yet. They hadn't coined it. So they don't really have a term for these guys. And the idea that criminals are bred and not born is a very new and and crazy radical concept that these two guys in the show are trying to spread around to police officers around the country and it's fun to watch them kind of they get to solve a few crimes as well and also interview real life killers who are brought to life in the show. So it's a very creepy show. It's it's got a lot of really dark stuff. Um it makes you think about how these guys view women, how they view sex. Um And it's just kind of sickening, man. I mean, this is taking it to this takes the kind of behavior that we see from guys like Weinstein and Cosby, and takes it to the furthest extreme that it can possibly go. I mean, not just drugging and raping women, but we're talking about dismembering them, killing them, putting their bodies on display uh, to teach society a lesson, to teach them a lesson. I mean, it's just a it's it's sickening stuff. I gotta say though, I wasn't really into Mindhunter until about the fourth episode. So if you find yourself watching it and you're kind of like, well, what the hell's the point? what's what's really like why am I watching this when it gets to got to the fourth episode the hook was set in my mouth and i was and I was good to go because it turns a little bit more procedural once it gets to the fourth episode as they start investigating this killing of a, a young woman in Pennsylvania and really getting into the psychology of what it you know what these killers do, and how a community doesn't want to believe a killer could come from one of their own, uh, because well, hey, I knew him his whole life, and he was just he was normal, and all that stuff we hear now. Apparently, back then people didn't realize that that's how criminals could be. They thought they just walked around, and it was obvious that they were killers to everyone from day one. So, Mindhunter right now is uh, streaming for you on Netflix and it's a 10 episode first season so I'm interested to see where this season's going to go I the the psychology of it is is interesting to keep up with I kind of said that I thought it looked like Hannibal it's not really like Hannibal so much uh now that I've really watched it um but I do have a feeling that the main character uh, a guy named Holden Ford played by Jonathan Groff who's this Broadway uh guy, and he did the voice of Kristoff in Frozen is probably the biggest thing that you would know him from. Um, he, to me, is kind of feeling a little bit like Will Graham, like maybe he could see himself identifying with these killers, but I don't know. It's all based on on, on real-life stuff, so I'm not sure how far that's going to go. But uh, Yeah, so Mindhunter right now is on Netflix, and if you're looking for something dark to watch, this is a good nighttime watch. Um, check it out. It's It's probably a good one to watch alone, too.
0: You see Bill... I knew a week before she died, I was going to kill her. She went out to a party, she got soused, she came home alone. I asked her how her evening went, she just looked at me. She said for seven years, she said, I haven't had sex with a man because of you, my murderous son. So I got a claw hammer and I beat her to death. And I cut her head off. And I humiliated her. And I said, there, now you've had sex. If there's one thing I know, it's this. A mother should not scorn her own son. If a woman humiliates her little boy, he will become hostile and violent and debased. Period.
2: All right, final thing as I'm wrapping up here, like always, I want to send you out the door with a couple movies that are now streaming, one on Netflix and one on Amazon. No theme here for you, even though Halloween did just pass. One movie that is a scary sci-fi delight for me uh, if you like The Twilight Zone, you'll love Cube, which is right now on Netflix. They actually have all three Cube movies on Netflix, but the first one is obviously where you need to start out. If you like The Twilight Zone, I say you'll like this because I've always felt like the movie Cube is just like an hour and a half episode of The Twilight Zone. It just feels like something that Rod Serling would have watched and would have really dug this idea Uh, For cube because a bunch of strangers wake up find themselves in this really strange prison they don't it it defies kind of all logic Um, it's full of traps and they don't know why they're there how they got there how they get out if they can get out and the whole thing is just kind of mind blowing so cube right now is on Netflix I definitely definitely recommend uh, you giving that one a watch if you like that kind of like mind blowing sci fi horror kind of stuff. And on Amazon right now, totally different direction. The right stuff is streaming for you. If you got three hours and some change to kill, you will not regret watching this movie. It is so it's fascinating. It's one of my absolute favorites. It's the uh, it's it's the uh, story of the first astronauts, Um, the very first astronauts. You got all these these great like John Glenn and. Alan Shepard and even Chuck Yeager's in there, played by the late great Sam Shepard. The cast is fantastic. Uh, the movie is so well made, uh, and just watching these guys interact with each other is is awesome. And you're seeing some real life American legends uh, come to life on screen, uh, and it's just a thrilling movie. It's really cool, and it's kind of one of those movies that. Uh, makes you proud to be an American because of the things that these guys accomplished and the spirit that they embody. So I've always really loved the Right Stuff. It's a movie that just kind of makes me feel good, and I enjoy watching. So if you want to check that one out, it is right now on Amazon, and I think you'll love it. I I, I recommend the Right Stuff to anybody that I get a chance to uh, to recommend it to. It's not just a man's movie, all right. It's the, the cast is pretty much all men, but you know, get, don't get past that. Give it a watch. It's, it's this is one of those movies that's beyond gender. All right, that's going to do it. Uh, Hopefully my throat heals up before the next time we speak, my friend. And uh, I'll have some some more television, some more movies to tell you about then. I'll probably be talking about the new season of Stranger Things uh, by the next time we talk. I just didn't have time to watch it all the way through yet before this episode. So we'll get back together here in a month and we'll chat about it then thank you very much again Andy Uh, he's the music editor at Overdue Review I am the movies and TV editor at Overdue Review again my name is Clint Davis go to the website check out more of our long form reviews of movies, music, and television and join us back here every month on iTunes be sure to tell your friends about it and uh, give us a good, nice 5 star rating there a gushing rating if you haven't already we much appreciate it alright that'll do it until next time my friend stream on